listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Um, We're going to continue our study in the book of Luke. Um, We're going to pick up where we left off last week in Luke chapter 4. If you'll recall, last week, um, Jesus uh, went back to Nazareth, his hometown, and he stood in the synagogue, as he did every Sunday or every Sabbath day. He would go into the synagogue, and and he would learn often. But at this point, he has started his ministry, and he still, every Sabbath, you would find him in the synagogue, and often he would stand and he would teach. Uh, and so last week we uh, we looked at the scripture that he pulled out, and he went back to the book of Isaiah, and he read the scripture: "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to proclaim the go- to proclaim the good news to the poor." By the way, the gospel is the good news. Amen. The good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If you'll recall, the year of the Lord's favor is the year of Jubilee. And every 50 years, they would um, have their debts forgiven. They would return back to their, to their families, to the home uh, that, they, that they grew up in often. And um, they would have an entire year of rest. So there was to be no... Uh, no farming, no reaping, no sowing. During that whole year, they had a chance to just go back and rest during the year of Jubilee. And so Jesus stood up and he, he read this scripture as what they knew, a, mess, a messiah prophecy. And uh, he stood up and he said, These, this has been fulfilled in your hearing today. And they were all mesmerized. They were amazed at the words and how he spoke. And you recall, they, he, he shared some things with them that got him stirred up because he was basically saying, I came not only just for um, you, but I came to set everyone free. I came for the Jew and the Gentile. And he reminded them of some things that got really angry with him, and they, they pushed him out all the way to the cliff. They wanted to throw him off. They wanted to take his life, but he walked through them, and he left. Well, when he left Nazareth, um, his hometown didn't accept him. So where'd he go? So he went to Capernaum. We're going to um, we're going to read verse of scripture this morning. We're going to read all the way through this. Then we're going to we're going to break some things out of this. So we can learn um, to apply to our lives and some reminders. So um, we're going to go to Luke chapter four and verse thirty-one. It says, and he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, ha, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, 
He came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, God, we love you. We thank you for your word. And God, I pray this morning as, as we look at this portion of scripture that you will uh, revelate our mind and anoint our lips to be able to, uh, to give what you've placed on our, on our hearts to, um, to speak through today. God, we pray that you would open um, the ears of each one in this room, open our hearts and our minds. God, that we may accept your word, understand it, Lord, and apply it to our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So Jesus went uh, to Capernaum. Capernaum became kind of Jesus' um, uh, home base. Uh, he, Peter lived, this is where Peter lived, and often he would stay in the home of Peter when he was in Capernaum. Capernaum was a little town um, on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. It was a couple miles from the Jordan River. And it was right here where uh, the road to Damascus uh, would come through. So it became a, like a trading route. It, it was a small place. Maybe a 1,000 to 1,500 people lived here. But it was a fishing community. And, and you remember, we'll get into some, some stories here in a few weeks about Jesus calling his disciples. And about uh, many of them, Peter, one of them being a fisherman. Uh, but it was here in this shore fishing community of, of uh, Capernaum that Jesus did a lot of his teaching and a lot of the miracles that's recorded was in and around this town of Capernaum. So he went down to, to Capernaum and he did as he was accustomed to do when the Sabbath came, he was in synagogue. Um, it's, it's like, uh, uh, like us when Sunday comes, we're in church. And it's important when Sunday comes that we be here to learn about the, the Word of God, to learn more about what He wants to do in our lives. Um, that we were talking this, this morning that Jesus um, made a habit of going to, to synagogue every week. Um, and, and if any one of us didn't have to go to church, it was Jesus. Because Jesus, you know, He... He didn't need to be saved. He didn't need to learn more about God's word. He didn't need to do all that stuff. But he came to be an example to us and to teach us and to show us that uh, the right path, the right things to do. Jesus went to church every week. Even though he had all the answers, he went to church every week. We can always learn. We can always learn more. So we find, once again, Jesus in the synagogue and it's his time uh, to stand and teach, and he does, and he be, he's teaching um, similar to what he done in Nazareth. And, and I don't know, it doesn't tell us what he read, but it, he could have been sharing the same message, that I'm the Messiah. I have come to, um, to uh, preach good news to the, to the poor and to release the captives and to uh, bring sight to the blind and to, and to um, help those and free those who are, under, who are oppressed and, and, and to bring forward the, the year, the favor of our Lord. He was preaching. He was teaching. And all of a sudden, now can you imagine this? I want just put yourself in that room. And it's, it's a Sabbath like any other. But now Jesus is standing. And the scripture says again, that they were astonished 
at his words. His word was different. There was something different about the way he presented the word. I don't know, maybe they thought, man, this guy knows what he's talking about. See, a lot of times a teacher would stand up and they would go back to um, the teachings of other rabbis and, and they would share, oh, this rabbi said this and this rabbi said that and, and this is what this particular scriptures mean and, and no doubt they had probably heard the same messages over and over and over again. The teachings of the Old Testament and, and what they should be looking for in the Messiah but this time it was different. Jesus stood up and he was speaking with authority. He was speaking in a manner that he knew what he was talking about. He was an expert. And he's not just quoting other people. He's bringing us words that we've never heard before. They were amazed. They were astonished at the, the word of Jesus. His teaching was different. It commanded attention. There was authority in his voice. And as we see in this scripture, there was power to go along with it. What I'd like to do is I, I want to talk a little bit about authority. Um, in in, in uh, what verse is it here? The uh, verse number 36. They were amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits. With authority and power, he has, he has a word that they were not familiar with. See, we've, we have a, an advantage um, in our day and age today. There's not a lot that we hear that Jesus did that surprises us. It doesn't astonish us very much anymore. I mean, he, you remember, I mean, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he cut the ear off of one of the, the, the Roman soldiers, and Jesus picks the ear up and puts it back on his head. And we're like, that's pretty cool. But we're not astonished. We're not amazed. Like they were. They, so they hear this word, and they're hearing something that they're not used to hearing. And then something happens that's very out of the normal, peculiar. In the middle of the service, somebody stands up and challenges the teacher. Can you imagine? Right now, somebody said, ha, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Now, he's standing there teaching. Maybe he's bringing that word. What do you have to do with us? Have you come to destroy us? You see, because the demons and Satan, they know this book inside and out. They, you ever heard the term, I, I've read the back of the book and we win? Yeah. They know what Revelation says. They know what's coming and what's in their future. There's a time when Jesus will, God will, lock them up and throw them into the everlasting lake of fire. He will destroy Satan and his hordes decisively, even more than the Bucks destroyed the Kansas City Chiefs. All right. he'll, he'll destroy them decisively, and 
There's, there's no, there's no question. There's no battle. This demon stands up and says, who are you to mess with us? Are you here to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. And what did Jesus do? He rebuked him immediately. You hush up and come out of him. There was no battle. There was no incantations. There was no flipping and flopping on the floor. There wasn't none of this. It was come out of it with authority and with power. So I want to talk a little bit about authority. Because there are a lot of things um, that have authority in our lives and over our lives. You know, as people, we... We actually crave order. Um, we, we need laws and things in our society to keep things orderly. You know, there, there are people, especially, um, uh, what do they call them, uh, anarchists, right? Where it's just, we, we don't need the, the order of law, we can, just, we can do what we want. And um, we, we don't need anybody telling us what to do. But, but guys, honestly, in a society, it has to be ruled and governed, um, for us to have any kind of, of a peaceful society. Um, I'm a people watcher, right? I love to watch people. Um, people are funny. One of the favorite things I like to watch on YouTube is the Bushman. Y'all know who I'm talking about? Everybody, yes, Bushman? Bushman is this dude. He dresses up in, um, what do they call it? It's, it's not camouflage, but it's a, a ghillie suit, right? He dresses up in his ghillie suit. He looks like a plant. And he'll stand in a, in a planter, and sometimes he sits down, looks like a little bush. Sometimes he stands up, he looks like a tree. And he'll wait for people to come around the corner, and he'll jump out at them. And, uh, and man, they, grown men, big, bad men, jumping up and screaming like little girls. Just, ah! <gasps> you know, just the, the things. It's so funny to watch. I, that One of my favorite things is watching People get scared. I don't know why. It's just that it is, it is real. It is raw. It is true emotion. There's, there's no mass. There's no faking it. When they are scared, you know it. I mean, they flip off chairs. They do everything. They, they get me sometimes. People will share a video and they'll be like, Hey, watch this and watch closely. And the next thing you know, something's jumping at you or <sighs> love it. <sighs> love it. So, um, I, I watched this video about um, conformity. They, they, they did a, a, a study, experiment, where they set up this uh, dentist office. And they invited people to come and get their free um, dentist checkup and cleaning and all this at this brand new dentist office that was set up. Well, the, the first, everybody was in the waiting room, maybe, you know, seven, eight people in the waiting room were actors, they were paid to be there, and they had one person come in, didn't know anything that was going on, checked in. They said, okay, sit down and wait. Well, so what they would do is there would be a buzzer to go off. Beep. And when the buzzer went off, everybody else in the waiting room stood up and sat back down. And this girl was looking through a magazine. She looks like everybody stood up and said, Beep. Everybody stands up and sits back down. By the third time, it went beep. She stood up with them, 
sat back down without knowing why. She just started doing what the group did. One by one, all of those paid actors were called to the back, and now here she was alone in the waiting room. Beep. And she stood up and sat back down, the only one. Well, then other people start coming in, people that didn't know what the rules were. And they come in. Beep. She stands up, sits back down. They look like, what in the world was that? By three or four times, they're standing up and sitting back down. Imagine, just more people, more people. Till all of a sudden, everybody in the waiting room is standing up because a buzzer went off. Beep. Stand up, sit back down. Stand up, sit back down. Not because anybody told them to, but because that was the rules of the room. Somehow, this unwritten rule became an authority that this is what you must do. Authority is is something that can be powerful. Authority is something that can be very dangerous for those who use it incorrectly. But what is authority? So I went to dictionary.com, and uh, I put maybe the first two or three bullets in the notes of what authority means. But I'm going to read all of these that it says about authority. One, it says the power to determine, adjudicate, or otherwise settle issues or disputes, jurisdiction, the right to control, command, or determine. Second, it can be defined as a power of right delegated, delegated or given, authorization. I'm authorized. It could be a person or body of persons in whom authority is vested, like a governmental agency. Um, so the, the port authority manages the ports or the boats. Um, so the port authority is a good, an example of, of a governmental agency. There would be authority. Authorities. Uh, so persons having the legal power to make and enforce the law. Um, we, when we think about that, I think about law enforcement. Um, that is an authority. Uh, an authority could also be an accepted source of information or advice. It could be an expert on a subject. He is an authority in, in his field. People go to him to learn about what authority or what any particular subject is about. Persuasive force or conviction. She spoke with authority. A statute, court rule, or judicial decision that establishes a rule or principle, a ruling. The right to respect or acceptance of one's word, command, thought, commanding influence, the authority of a parent, the authority of a great writer. Also, um, mastery of an uh, execution or performance, so art or literature, that you might think of the Mona Lisa as that is an authority of that style of painting. There's a lot of things. So, so when you think through those definitions and the folks are sitting there, I think through, well, what did they think about Jesus when it says he spoke with authority? Was it that he, he had command in his voice and so um, he spoke persuasively with conviction? Or was it that he... They, they identified that there was a power and a delegated authority to him through his voice. What was it that they were perceiving? 
Well, I think if they had any doubt in their mind, it's one thing to be able to speak with authority. It's another thing to actually have authority. I think in the beginning they were amazed and, and they were they were astonished at the words that he was speaking. It was different that he did speak as an expert on the subject. He was persuasive. He was convicting. He had power in his voice. But what happened in that moment? They realized that Jesus didn't just speak with authority. He had authority. He had authority and he had power. If there was any doubt in that moment, they knew immediately. Experts in sociology would tell you that there are three types of authority. There's charismatic authority. There's traditional authority. And then there's legal, rational authority. So charismatic authority is, is talking about a person who maybe possesses certain traits um, that, that makes him a, a leader. Man, he, he's charismatic and people just want to follow him because simply he's, he, he's, there's something about him. You've met people that when they walk in the room, it's like everybody's drawn to him. Um, and, and so maybe two months ago, we watched on Netflix um, the, the show about Waco, Texas. Did anybody else see that? Um, it was um, about the Branch Davidians and David Koresh. David Koresh is an example that I would say is someone who had charismatic authority. People flocked to him and allowed him to make decisions on their behalf and to direct and to guide them, although much of what he said and, and did was, was absolute um, garbage, honestly. Um, listen, did you know... Satan and his devils go to church. We just read that they, they went to synagogue. They go to church. And I think it's often just to try to see what kind of trouble they can stir up or to see what, um, what kind of end they have to create doubt and division. And destruction. Um, in, in the biblical times, and so especially in the gospel, the book of Acts, there are multiple examples of where it says people were possessed with unclean spirits. Um, and just a couple of verses over, it says, Demons came out of many, crying, You're the Son of God. And Jesus cast demons out and told them they entered into pigs and they ran over the cliff. There's, there's many examples of that happening in, in Scripture. Because they want to torment. But I, I think that, that Satan and his whatever are still active, but they're active in a much different way than they were here. Do I think they could still possess somebody? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's not. Um, they don't want to give themselves away. I'm going to show you some scripture that, that backs that up. But, but they, they, just know this, they have no authority over the life of a believer. Zero. They don't give way. 
is they have no authority. They can't be where the Holy Spirit is. If you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God, you don't have to worry about that. They, they are, their days are numbered and they know it. Um, charismatic authority uh, is, is like a David Koresh. I think a lot of our politicians actually have charismatic authority, right? So they go out, it's a popularity contest. They say what people want to hear. They, people judge and vote based on who they like. Well, that guy's got a good smile. He's got nice teeth, you know, um, good hair, nice strong jawline. He looks like we can trust him. And so they vote based on that kind of example because of charismatic authority, and they make their way through these, uh, these levels of authority till ultimately they get authority because of the role that they're in. Um, the second one, traditional authority. Traditional authority is kind of like um, a, a, tr- a tribe um, or, or even the monarchy in England. Is, is an example of traditional authority. A king or a queen is a king or a queen because their father or their mother, their ancestor, ancestors were kings or queen. There's nothing special about their blood except somebody down the road beat somebody else in a battle with a sword and took control. Now I'm royal. And um, that's traditional authority. Then there's the legal, rational authority. This is what we're familiar with mostly. It's bounded in, in laws um, and ground, grounded in laws. And the obedience of the people is not based on the capacity of the leader, but on the grounds of what they're standing in. Our president is actually an example of that. He is there because of um, the system, systemization, and constitutional authority. You see examples of where um, presidents have, have had to step down um, or have been impeached. And there's not chaos because the Constitution says what should happen in those examples and who should come into power and all these things. It's a, it's a systematic, it's a legal authority. Some summarize authority as capacity for action power to or power over. Notice something. The word power and authority have to go hand in hand. Power refers to the ability to have one's will carried out despite the resistance of others. Um, I I don't know how many of y'all know this, but um, Brian Napier used to be an MMA fighter. That's why I want him to be my friend. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he had the power to uh, submit people to his will. Sometimes, I'm sure, people had the power. To <laughs> For those of you on the live stream, Andrea just raised her hand. <laughs> Love it. Um, <laughs> I was going to use the example of authority of, um, you know, like me in my home, but my wife's here, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, authority is one of those things that, that's good um, while you've got it, um, but you can't, but just because you have authority in one place doesn't mean you have authority in somebody else's place, right? Um, if I have authority in my home, I'm not going to go to Greg's house and think I got authority there. He has authority in his home. 
Um, and he probably has the power to make sure that I, that he, that I know that he has the authority in his home. Uh, we were talking about uh, that just this morning. <laughs> Nine millimeters and three eighties. <laughs> he has the power. Power is the ability to have one's will carried out despite the resistance of others. Uh, you can have power without authority. Right? I can have power without authority, but I can't have authority without power. I can't have true authority without power. I've got to be able to back up the authority that I've been given. Um, law enforcement has authority, and they have the power. They have permissions to exercise their authority in the right circumstances. Have a weapon, tasers, handcuffs. They got to be used in the proper circumstances so that authority could be taken away. Now, you could have all those same things. You could have a weapon, you could have a taser, you could have handcuffs. But if you don't have the authority to use them, that means that the authorities will be coming to subdue you with the power that they have to subdue you. You may have the same power, but not the authority. There's a difference. There's another difference in, in an illustration I'd like to give you in authority and power. I heard a story about a, 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 a rancher who's out on his property, and this government vehicle comes driving up, um, a surveyor, and he gets out and he says, sir, um, I'm here. I've got to survey your property. I need to get past this gate and go back there. He said, no, sir, you cannot do that. And he said, well, excuse me, but I have the authority. Um, I got this paper right here that says I can. He said, no, you don't understand, sir. You cannot do that. And he said, well, you watch me. And he climbed a fence, got his equipment, went out in the middle of this field, starts setting his stuff up. And all of a sudden he hears something. He turns around and looks, and there's this biggest, meanest, nastiest bull he'd ever seen in his life charging right at him. He gets out of the way just in time. The bull messes up his equipment. He goes running up, jumping over the fence. and said, what in the world? Why didn't you tell me? He said, I told you. I guess you just learned a lesson. There's a difference in the authority to do it and the power to do it. He, he had the permission, but he didn't have the ability. So I think through this situation... This man is tormented by this demon. Um, I wonder how many times they'd sit in synagogue with this guy. Um, Jesus in Matthew talks about uh, uh, the body as being a home. And he gives an example is that if, if you were to exercise a demon, but... And just live a religious life. So listen, there's a lot of people who go through the motions of what it is to be a Christian. You heard the statement, um, um, being a person in church doesn't make you a Christian any more than being a car in a, a garage. Then, oh, totally messed that up. You're no more a Christian because you go to church than you're a car if you're standing in a garage. What makes you a Christian is the saving power and salvation of Jesus Christ. And it's not enough just to go through the motions. 
I, I would think that Satan and his whatever would look for and welcome that kind of person that they could torment. Because everybody thinks they're saved. But what if they're not? And they've opened up their lives to demonic influence in their life. Jesus said it would be worse for that man he'd bring back, demons would bring back seven of his friends. So now you've got a clean house to come into. Torment. Protect yourself from that. It's the Holy Spirit. Salvation of God. You know, I think, I think the devil gets more credit than, uh, than he's due. I can't tell you how many times people stand up and say, man, the devil's been busy this week. Hey, he's done this, he's done this. This went wrong, and this went wrong, and this went wrong. You ever stop to think that maybe it wasn't the devil, it was just you? <laughs> you know? It's, it's your character. It's your tongue, right? It's your tongue. It wasn't the devil. The devil didn't say that. You said that. Stop blaming him. <laughs> he, gets a, he gets too much credit. His reality is, people, he has no authority over your life. He has no authority, he has no power over your life other than what you give to him. We have a, a warped view of who Satan is and what, and what he does. We have a warped view of that. Um, fantasy and fiction in our world today. TVs, movies, books portray this image of of who he is and what he does but um you know evil is the absence of good just like darkness is the absence of light evil is the absence of god and we in our society have a certain view of what satan looks like right he's he's all red with horns and a pitchfork and tail and all that all that stuff it's the scary image but you know I don't think that they really want to present themselves in that way because it would be admitting and you would be like well now I know that he's real um, the screw tape letter C.S. Lewis a Christian, Christian um, writer he wrote this, and this is, this is um, I think, some, very good advice for us on the topic of, of Satan and, and his demons. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive an unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician the same delight. In other words, if you say, I don't believe in that, that's okay. They don't want you to. And if you have an unhealthy interest in the occult and to the things of darkness and it, that, my friend, is also just as dangerous. Be careful. 
Acknowledge, just understand, there, there is spiritual warfare. It's happening. It happens. There is. You don't want to be um, uh, uh, absent-minded to that fact. But let me tell you, it does not have to control your belief or cause you any kind of fear. God's not given us a spirit of fear at all. Um, yes, he exists. Guess what? My God's bigger. Greater is he that is in me than he's in the world. Um, yeah, be careful, though, because there are people who um, will present themselves as, uh, as teachers, as preachers, as religious people. They might be under the influence of a demon. Listen, like I said earlier, they know this word better than any of us. They can take it and they can twist it and add just enough lie. Make it sound truth. Sound like truth. Look like truth. Listen, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little bit of yeast. It doesn't take much. If I, if I told you mostly the truth, but then told you just a little lie, um, Ange, what would you say to me? I'm lying, right? <laughs> That's what you, it's a, a lit, I tell you mostly the truth, but then I just mix a little lie. That's a lie. I, I, if I'm trying to manipulate you to believe something that's not true, that's a lie. Satan will do that. He'll, he'll mix those in. He would want you to, um, to believe that uh, he doesn't exist. And if, if you have an unhealthy interest, you're inviting um, that kind of influence. 2 Corinthians 11.14 I'm going to, we don't have to pull that up, um, but it, it speaks to the fact that Satan and his angels would like to pass themselves off as angels of light rather than of darkness. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14, go read it. Jesus says, yeah, you know what, I'm not surprised because Satan wants to present himself as an angel of light. They want you to think that they're doing good. Um, Jesus um, came with a specific message. Um, and Satan's message is the exact opposite. Hey, how many of you have, um, most of you know who Paul Harvey is, right? I wonder how many of our young people here have ever heard the name Paul Harvey. Anybody? None? Yes? Paul Harvey? No? Um, the rest of the story, good day, right? Um, he, he was on the radio. This is, I don't, as many of you have probably seen this. It's made its rounds on social media. Um, you, you, you go home and look it up on YouTube today. It's called Paul Harvey. He said, if I were the devil. He wrote this. He did this back in 1965. It was on his broadcast, April 3rd, 1965. Um, I'm going to read this to you um, because I want you to, to see... Um, that, you know, Paul Harvey was on to something. Ready? Um, Paul Harvey. Uh, I, wish I, could, I wish I could do Paul Harvey. That'd be great. If I were the devil, I don't know. Uh, if I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population. But I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the 
So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert churches first. I'd begin with campaigns of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would, confide, I would confide that what's good, bad is good, and what's good is square. Okay, so that's like 60s language for um, goody two-shoes. Right? What's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me. Our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to who I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves. Churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions. Just let those run wild. Till before you know it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon, I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches... I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbols of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give it to those who want until I killed the incentive the ambitious. And what do you want to bet I could get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich? I would caution against extremes and hard work and patriotism and moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, swinging is more fun, and that we see on the TV is the way to be. And thus, I could undress you in public and I can lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. 1965. And it seems so familiar, doesn't it? You see, I think the devil's still at work. He's just working in a different way. His time is limited. He needs to um, cause as many as possible not to accept Christ. 
See, he would keep you poor, poor in spirit. He would keep you in prison. He would keep you blind and oppressed. The devil would keep you indebted and uneasy. He wants families torn apart, people depending on their own power and capabilities and drowning in unbelief. Satan wants you to be so smart you can't fathom the reality of the one true God. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Romans 122. The book of Psalms says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. There are many tormented in our world today by that message, by the message of, of the devil. There's many tormented by him. There's many under the influence of drugs, alcohol, separation, destroyed families, people with no hope. Hospitals, streets are full of them. But this scripture demonstrates the power that God has over Satan and his demons and reveals his ability to deliver the sinners. Us, you, me. Some practical ways to use this, this scripture today. We, we are under authority in many parts of our lives. Um, it's important to have a healthy respect for authority, right? Um, now, not blindly following, um, but recognizing and accepting the delegated power and, and authorized rule of law that's in our life. It's important that you, young people, recognize the authorities in your life, your parents, um, your teachers, um, law enforcement, um, there's, there's so many uh, authorities that have been put over our lives for a specific reason. A lot of it is to protect you and to help you and to guide you. But the lack of acknowledgement of authority we see today, well, you see it on the TV. It's manifest in the schoolhouse, manifests itself in homes and in the streets. Ah, We've become a society dominated by two tenets. One, I can do what I want. I can do what I want. Has anybody ever said that? I can do what I want. I'm an adult. I can do what I want. I'm 13. I can do what I want. I can do what I want. But then the second one is do as I say, not as I do. Right? That's the other. So in our society, it's not common. I can do what I want, but you should do what I say and not what I do. It don't work like that, folks. It doesn't work. To some, you are the authority. And to others, you concede authority. It's important that you respect the proper use of authority that's given to you. Don't misuse the authority that you have over someone's life. And last... Place Christ as the ultimate authority in your life. Give way to him. In the home, 
in the workplace, in recreation, whatever you do, give Christ. Christ has absolute authority. He has divine authority. And not only does he have the authority, he has the power to back it up. He has a power to command, to give, to heal, to forgive, and to free. That's his message. Satan come to, to kill and destroy. Jesus said he's a murderer from the beginning. What I liked about that, when Jesus, when, when the demon stood up and said, I know who you are. You know what? Jesus was having none of it. He doesn't need the testimony of a liar. Because Satan is a liar and the father of it. It's his character. That's what he does. He lies. And we don't need anybody clouding up this message. He stood up. I know who you are. And he said, hush, get out of here. And you'll notice that the, the devil, you know what he do? One last thing. He threw the man down, then got out. The guy was unhurt. See, Satan will try to do everything he can to disrupt your life, to harm you, to hurt you, your family, your kids, everything in your life. He wants to destroy it. But listen, you don't have to worry about him. He doesn't have the authority in your life. He doesn't have the power over your life. Unless you give it to him. Let's all stand. Father God, we love you today. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you do have the ultimate authority, divine authority over our lives to, to, to um, free us, to heal us, to guide us, to direct us. God, we just pray that you will open our hearts and our minds. Lord, if there's anyone here that does not know you as their Savior, God, I pray they don't wait another day. God, that they will realize the the joy that comes through a relationship with you. God, we pray if there's anyone who's, who is battered by the devil, Lord, we pray that you would speak to their hearts, open their eyes, and they would accept you, accept the Holy Spirit into their life, Lord, that they may no longer be under that influence, but God, that they would be under your leadership and your guidance. We love you. We thank you for this word. In the name we pray. Amen.